0: Welcome to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. Our mission is to connect the past and the present NICU mom by bringing them out of isolation and into a sisterhood of women who can stand alongside each other as we heal and grow both in and out of the NICU. Our hope is that
1: through interviews with trauma-informed medical and maternal mental health experts and vulnerable stories from NICU mamas themselves, that you would feel connected to the Dear NICU Mama sisterhood around the world.
0: So, whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago, or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone. Hi Mamas, a quick note
1: before we start this episode, today we're going to be talking about hospitalization and illness after NICU. In addition to Ashley and I sharing some of our own stories, we also have some incredible sisters from around the country sharing a little bit about their journeys and experiences with hospitalization and illness after NICU with their kiddos. They are courageous and vulnerable and we are so proud to share them here, but we also want to acknowledge that it may be hard to hear these stories right now and that's okay. So maybe take a second and listen to your heart and body and see if Maybe now is not the right time or if you want to make sure that you have a safe space to listen to this episode, make sure that you have a dear friend or support system on speed dial, you know your body best and we just want to acknowledge that you can do this and we are here for you
2: always. We are recording and I sound like a man.
1: (laughs) I like it. I think it sounds good. (laughs) Hi, Mamas, and welcome back to the Dear Nikki Mama Podcast. It's your host, Martha, and
2: Ashley.
1: Ashley, I missed
2: you last week. I know. I Fill missed the- you, too. What's been going on with you, huh? Oh, nothing. Not COVID. Not croup. Not an ear infection or a viral rash with a 105-degree fever. None of that. <laughs> Delightful, delightful.
1: Not all while you're going through a big transition where you literally move to a new home or anything like that. Yeah, nothing like that. No, no. Uh, we, your your incredible month of February has been
2: daunting. I think you've carried it with a lot of grace. A lot of thanks to you being my support friend through it all. <laughs> I am always there for you. But I,
1: I, it has been. I know it's been crazy for you. So. Actually, this was kind of the
2: impetus for our, our, our topic this week, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as we're all aware, COVID is still present. I am recovering from COVID myself. We just got out of quarantine. Um, and also, um, these past couple of weeks have just been full of sickness. We had an ER stay with Silas for low oxygen levels and croup where he needed some breathing treatments, uh, followed by a week of 105 degree spontaneous fevers, and then an ear infection. And then I got sick. And throughout that, Martha and I, I was obviously texting you all day, every day. You were very sweet to entertain my my worries and my thoughts and be there for me. And also send me Uber Eats gift cards and coffee. I love you forever. Um, But we talked a lot about how triggering it is to see your kid sick after NICU and when Silas was in the ER that night it was the first time that I heard those monitors again since he was in the NICU and you're brought right back to the time that you were in the NICU with your child and even my husband when the doctor had stepped out to go run the test he looked at me and he's like wow those sounds and I was like those sounds, <laughs> and I thought about you a lot too, just with what you went through with JJ and needing to be hospitalized, and you guys had a really tough go of it last year. Um, and so we wanted to do an episode this week just to kind of chat about that a little bit. Um, we hope in the future to do like a roundtable with a few different moms with different rehospitalization stories, but cold and flu season is hard. And um, sometimes it feels like you just don't know how to get through it. And we also talked about how, you know, just with the trauma that we've endured, we can be really hyper aware of our bodies. Mm-hmm. And so, first, you're hyper aware of your child's body because you're monitoring their every move, their every symptom, their every breath, you're counting respiratories, you're talking in your NICU language again, it brings you right back. But then, if you get sick too, you're hyper aware of your body. And yeah. it just feels like your brain never really gets a full break. And yeah. um, so we wanted to just kind of have a conversation about that today. And it kind of led, you know, these past couple of weeks were just kind of a good reminder of, like, there's a lot of us going through it right now. And um, you can and you will get through it. <laughs> but if it's hard, you're not alone. and um So, yeah, that was kind of a ramble, but that's kind of what led to this week's episode.
1: No, I think it's so true. I think, you know, when you get to that part of discharge, when they say, okay, your miraculous NICU baby got to the point where we're going to send them home, they then counter it (laughs) with the most, like, frightful literature (laughs) about illness and disease. And then they're like, good luck, bye. Um, and I remember that being very overwhelming yeah, and traumatic in its own self in coming home, right? So the fact, the idea that you we know wonderful people who go through illness, well, everybody gets sick, right? It's just inevitable. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have this pandemic going on and it, our, our kids are immunocompromised. There's this fine balance between understanding the the reality of illness in the world and knowing there's nothing you can do. And then also being a really strong advocate for your kids, too. It's like a very mm-hmm. fine line for your own mental health to figure out how to ride. Yes. Uh, and, and I think we're seeing people navigate that and learning how to navigate that in real time right now.
2: Yeah, definitely. Well, and speaking of advocating, you know, I think um, to some of my friends who aren't NICU parents, they probably saw the amount of times I took Silas to the walk-in as, like, excessive mm-hmm. <laughs> or the urgent care. Um You know, first when he had croup, I knew it was croup. I could tell he's had croup before, but there was something off with his breathing. He couldn't catch a full breath, and I even knew that me bringing him in would maybe seem like exaggerated like it's just croup like you know it's croup like he's had it before but then when we went in and we saw that his oxygen was in the low 80s and he needed the neb the neb and the steroid I was like okay I'm glad I brought him in (laughs) you know and then it was followed by this week of 105 degree fever every single day and I was losing my mind like I we'd kind of get closer to that 100 degree 99 degree with some ibuprofen, and then it would spike and it would just spike and Finally, um, I had, I think I brought him in a total of three times Mm -hmm. and I had to do that for my mental health and also just to make sure that I was advocating for him. Like I was like, something is off. I don't know what, but I can't just let my son have a 105 degree fever. Yeah. And, um, the final day that I brought him in, it was an ear infection. Like it had developed into an ear infection. So I was glad that we did bring him in because then the antibiotics were kicked right back in and we were okay. But I knew that on the outside, I probably looked like I was overreacting, but I knew that my Nikki sisters would understand that, no, like, <laughs> you know, you will do anything. You will advocate to the end. Like, it's just, it's kind of that fine line between needing assurance as a mom, but yeah. also knowing your kid and knowing that, okay, something is off. I need to bring them in again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I,
1: you, I think we had this discussion a ton of times, which is do you go in do you not go in do you not do you know and just that anxiety of trying to make the decision is really yes. hard what i appreciate about great providers is that if you do go in and you make the choice to go in or do a telemed appointment or call a nurse hotline or whatever it's their job to help you evaluate those things because mm-hmm. unless you're a medical provider which i am not uh you <laughs> can't it's not our job to really like try and make that decision by yourselves. They're there to support us, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You go with your concerns and they're there to put together the pieces. Otherwise, uh, mm-hmm. you also have the right to, to see them every day. If you need to, you know, a great pediatrician, a great obstetric uh, obstetrics doctor, any of those providers, like we've had on the podcast several times would be like, call me three times a day. I don't care if I'm available. Mm-hmm. I will write back. I will see you. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, because things change yeah. quickly, and it's if it gives your heart
2: peace, then it's worth it. It's mm-hmm. worth it, because too many things are out of your control, mm-hmm. you know? For sure, yeah. So, Martha, I would love, you know, part of this episode is going to be some NICU moms in our sisterhood who have called in sharing some of their rehospitalization or illness after NICU, um, and just words of hope and encouragement of how they walked through it, and I want to preface all of that by saying that I don't want this episode to scare any current Nikki moms. (laughs) Um, One thing that I thought of often when Silas was sick was a quote that Dr. Stephanie Hansen, who we've had on the podcast before, said, she said, it's not a matter of if your kid will get sick, it's when they'll get sick. And kind of normalizing in my head that, okay, illness is normal, Um, illness is in some ways good, because it builds there, you know, like those kind right, of things. Right. I had to remind myself of that. So I don't want any NICU moms here to think like a rehospitalization is in your future and yes, beware. Yes, no. <laughs> but if you find yourself your baby's first cold after NICU, you know, all of those kind of things are triggering. And so we want this episode just to affirm that you're not alone. And if you've mm-hmm. ever felt like you're overreacting, that you're not. <laughs> You are the best mom for your baby. You know what you need to do. But um, you obviously, Martha, had just a crazy journey last year with JJ's RSV on top of moving and like establishing a new provider. Like, I mean, it was a lot all at one time. Yes. Yeah. So I'd love to know from you, like, what helped you walk through that and what hope would you give to another mom?
1: I really think that you have to lean on other people you have to force yourself to do it Mm -hmm. uh you get to and this is something i learned as i was going through this this hospitalization with jj you deserve and also you're required to make the space for you and your family so that means other things have to have to let go right you're you may not have a clean house for a week you may not you may have to call into your work and say i this is this is my only option right now you may have to lean on the social services provided in the hospital to to make accommodations you do those things so that you can pr- protect yourself um i know that's not an option for everyone too i, I get that uh, so then you just have to evaluate what, what are the, this is what my therapist calls them, what are the glass balls and what are the plastic balls? So what if you drop something, what would bounce and what would break, right? Mm-hmm. So really have to you have to be very efficient in your mindset so that you can get through and survive. Mm-hmm. And also have a huge amount of grace for yourself, uh, you know, whatever that looks like for you too. Uh, I never felt like I was getting enough during the day. I never felt like... I was getting things accomplished for work and in my marriage and with JJ when I was at the hospital with her. And I had to reset expectations for myself and say, if all you do today is you get to go and have one meal away from this room or take a shower, literally in the adjoining room with the door open where the nurses can see you, but where your daughter (laughs) won't be screaming if she can't see you. And so... (laughs) You just have to to find the accommodations that work for you. It sounds so silly and reductive, but you just have to get through it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the only way out is through the middle of it, but you don't have to do it alone. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do it alone. At the very least, you have the two of us. <laughs> I mean, right? Yeah. <laughs> of course. You know, I I think, too, having had that experience and what I've learned as well that my therapist has also recommended to me is coming up with a plan, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's something really concrete that you can do if you have anxiety and fear about, you know, the potential of hospitalization or just illness in your future, you know, if you're a new NICU mom having a, having a plan of what that looks like, right? You know, in just talking about it with your spouse, it gives you a sense of control over, okay, I can't control when this will happen, but I know what we'll do. And I know I have this arsenal of things to, to, to be with me. Not that you prep a hospital bag or anything like that, (laughs) but you just know, these are the Mm -hmm. three people I'd call. This is who, you know, would take care of my dog. This is, um, Mm-hmm. this is the candy that I would order from Amazon Prime right it's just <laughs> it's those things that you can do to help your future self as much as possible yeah no those are good yeah uh, and how about you I know you're still like kind of fresh in it because your body is at right after Silas kind of you came to some resolution with his illness your body was like bye you. Yeah. peace like out, a, yeah <laughs> So how how are you feeling and, and what encouragement would you provide
2: to other mamas? Yeah, um, you know, I would echo a lot of the same things, especially when it comes to just surrounding yourself with people that you love. Um, if you are an Enneagram 3-2 wing like us, <laughs> um, asking for help, and being vulnerable can sometimes be really challenging because you don't want to burden other people. And again, I think my friends were very generous, but I always felt like I was kind of over-exaggerating. Like, because, and I I internalized that because I didn't know if they would understand the extent of how much anxiety I had with his fevers and different things. But, um, you know, confiding in people that you know are going to be a safe place, And that won't judge you for what some would maybe see as overreacting. Um, When his fevers were not going down, I had a lot of intrusive thoughts. It was very difficult to sleep. I was always scared that we were missing something, um, that kind of thing. And so having a support, you know, contacting my NICU sisters, um... I messaged you often, Um, even the night that we had to bring him in again, I think I called you crying and I was like, we're going in again. (laughs) Um, But just kind of having that support system in place and just knowing that, you know, you weren't going to judge us for going in, you know, that kind of stuff was really helpful. Um, I think the grace thing was huge. We ate out a lot these past couple of weeks. I had no gumption or energy to cook. And I felt kind of ashamed about that at some point because I was like, we're spending so much money on food, but you just have to get through it. And sometimes getting food delivered made us get through the day, helped us navigate the next mo- moment, the next move. Um, I would also treat myself to one coffee drive a day. That sounds so stupid, but when we couldn't leave the house really to go in anywhere or do anything, it was like, okay, okay. We're going to go on a drive. I'm going to see the sun, which was really, really, rarely there. We had like two blizzards during that time. Yeah, but God, God, just, <laughs> <dog walks away. laughs> but just anything small like that, that would help me get through the day. Every night after supper, I took a bath. I would literally sit in the dark and I would watch stupid TikTok videos or a dumb show on Netflix and just turn my brain off. Um, And yeah, so I mean, really, it was just like, what can I do to get through this day? Like, how do I get through this day? Silas and I watched a lot of cartoons. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Partially because he wasn't feeling good, but two, like, we both were sick. And so it was like, okay, this works. Like, we will do fun activities next week when we're both feeling better. But this Mm -hmm. week, there's grace for cartoons. There's grace to just sit here. Um, It was also because we went to the doctor so much. Towards the end, Silas was like, Mom, I need to go to the doctor again. <laughs> so he's like, I need to get better. I was like, you do need to get better, but I don't think we need to go back then today. <laughs> I think I would echo what you said of, okay, what 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 is going to help me take one more step? Mm. And what is that going to look like? And also, you know, um, if you're in a relationship your partner's going to do well at moments and you're going to do well at moments and then one of you's going to struggle and it's just kind of a give and take you know like it was a really easy breeding ground for resentment
0: mm-hmm. of
2: oh i'm doing more he's doing more i'm doing less he's doing less you know but really to you're on the same team you want the same things and what helped us combat that was each having people in our corner as well like individually but also like every night just kind of coming back to the center and being like, I love you. We love our son. We're gonna get through this. You know, kind of having to pep talk yourself because it was really easy to just kind of resent ourselves, each other for yeah. one was yeah. working, one wasn't working, one was cooking, what wasn't cooking, you know, like that kind of stuff. And oh yeah after two weeks of that, it's really easy to just fight. <laughs> and so um At the end of each day, like, and drives was how we reconnected. It was like, okay, we're going to go on a drive. We're going to assess. Like, I don't know if you guys have listened to the episode with Natalie about reconnecting with your partner, but car drives are very healing because you kind of have this shared common space where you have to be doing something, driving, but you're together, but you don't have to be, like, right across from each other, and you can just talk, and you can share. You put on the blippy tunes. Your kid can listen to the tunes. You get a cake pop, whatever you need to do to just, like... Go on a twenty minute drive, come back together, team huddle, we're doing this together, you know. Yeah. So yeah.
1: yeah. <sighs> I I totally agree. I think I think you have a lot of wisdom for it. Again, I do think that you handled with it a lot of grace. I when you're in the middle of it, it feels I don't it doesn't feel good, but just because it doesn't feel good in the moment doesn't mean you're not doing it well. <laughs> you mm, do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, And it also sucks, and I'm sorry. And it's unfair. So if you've gone through it or you're going through it, I'm sorry. You're right. It sucks, everybody. Yes. (laughs) But we're going to get through the
2: suck together. We are. I think that that was one thing that I was just so infinitely grateful for. Um, The night that we went in to the ER, we were just scrambling to grab his diaper bag and different things and the one thing i made sure to grab was my dear nikki mama shirt oh yeah and i just remember just feeling so grateful that i knew that other moms had walked this before me
1: yes that other moms
2: were maybe even in this different hospital rooms at the same time but that i wasn't alone Mm -hmm. and so um you know this sisterhood is so special and i'm just so grateful that you know we have this community of women that truly stand in the trenches with each other. And so, yeah. um, I'm just so grateful.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, that being said, some of those incredible
1: women actually were gracious enough to call in and share mm-hmm. their experiences with us. And I was just relistening to them this morning and I texted Ashley because I think that I'm just inspired by how articulate, every mom Mm -hmm. is and how they're some of the scenes that they describe the sensations and experiences are just just rang so true with me and i think they will with so many people here too and yeah um, you all have so much wisdom i think that's Mm -hmm. so cool this this network this daisy chain of women around the world um those are the people who will get it always
2: yeah absolutely well, fun. Well, we are going to play some of these messages. Um, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, no matter where you are this cold and flu season or how you're holding up, just know that this sisterhood believes in you and spring and summer is on the way. Well, okay, mamas, we love you so much. We'll catch you back next week. Today's episode
0: of the Dear Nikki Mama podcast is sponsored by Loam, an organizational app designed just for families. As NICU parents, we know how hard it is to feel connected to
1: your family when you are all traveling between the hospital and home, keeping track of appointments and updates from your medical team, supporting older kids at home, planning meals, and all of this during a global pandemic.
0: Loam was founded by parents who noticed that calendar and productivity apps were all built for the professional world, but didn't quite work for families, especially those with young children. Loam is a calm,
1: visual, fun platform for your family to plan and collaborate on events, meals, and tasks that happen every week. On top of that, it offers helpful suggestions and nudges towards edifying shared activities and intentional conversations so you can make the most of those precious shared moments.
0: Loam has a unique visual routine tracker, which is perfect for tracking anything from bedside cares with babies to bedtime routines with older kids. And Loam offers different views of your calendar, including an image-only option that empowers even those who can't yet read to understand and engage with family plans and routines. And on top of all of this,
1: Loam serves up suggestions for meals, activities, and discussion ideas for your family, while also integrating to your existing calendars.
0: Get ideas and get organized so you can focus on the things that matter most, you and your beautiful family. Head to withloam.com slash dear to learn more and try Loam for free my name is Megan.
3: I'm calling for the podcast call-in. Um, my daughter is Emmy. Um, she was a NICU baby, born in September of 2021. I'm from Duluth, Minnesota, on the shores of Lake Superior. So like I said, Emmy was born in September of 2021 at 28 weeks, six days. Came very unexpectedly, and we were out of town two and a half hours away from home. When my water broke. Had a very traumatic uh, labor and delivery experience. She came emergency c-section and was not breathing at birth um, and was also matched with a lot of difficulties in her several months stay at the NICU. So we were discharged 114 days later in January of 2022, um, still trying to navigate her medical needs. I'm a nurse so I'm looking to get uh qualified and accepted to be her nurse at home. They've been doing lots of different tests and studies on her. Uh her biggest challenge right now is that she cannot swallow and they can't figure out why. They've done genetic testing, MRIs of her brain, and we are now going to Mayo Clinic here at Rochester in Rochester, Minnesota in a couple of weeks to really dig deeper into some of her needs and complexities. So she's tube fed, needs frequent suctioning, um, very complex needs and cares. It's been quite the journey, but I have really found a new level of strength and really perseverance, patience. And love throughout this whole journey. Some words of encouragement and support for mamas that are navigating hospitalization and illness after the NICU. Um, As we just discharged from the hospital after our first hospitalization a few days ago, I would say that one of the best pieces of advice would be to first just know that your grief is valid and It's real, and I think there are a lot of different things that will come up in the hospitalization that may bring you back to a NICU journey, happy or sad memories. So validating that the grief is real and give yourself the time and space to work through it. Reach out to friends, family, therapists, other mamas. Definitely lean into those who are supporting you. I think the second thing is really... What's really helpful for me was to find comfort and peace in knowing that I was my baby's best advocate. It was very eye-opening for me to have her be hospitalized and for me to really know every in and out of her NICU journey, of her medical needs, and I felt like I knew her better than anyone ever could. So I felt a lot of, a lot of comfort, and that provided me with some positive reinforcement almost going through my hospitalization knowing that no matter what me being at her bedside was a positive thing and me knowing everything about her and knowing her best what she needed when was such a positive thing that I just really tried to be there as much as I possibly could to help support my daughter and to really be her best advocate so I think really diving into that and focusing your energy on Being that positive advocate for your child when they're hospitalized is super important. It's very challenging to see all the tubes and wires and things hooked up to your child after being tied up by all of those cords in the NICU for so long. So I just want to also just provide some words of encouragement for all NICU mamas, how strong and brave you and your child are and how much growth everyone who comes out of the NICU is. I just I think it's incredible and I don't know if people get enough credit for what they have to
4: endure. Hi, my name is Alexandra Lane. I am from Wisconsin, USA. Um well Menominee Falls, Wisconsin, USA. Um a little bit about my story. My son was born at thirty 38- eight weeks and five days. Um, he was perfect, perfectly healthy, perfectly term, perfectly weight and everything wise. Um, he swallowed meconium um, before they broke my water and when he was born, he swallowed it and he breathed it in and so they took him immediately to the NICU and he was there for a month um, learning how to eat, um, breathe, make sure he was getting antibiotics, make sure there was nothing in his lungs, etc., um i wish that would have been the end of it unfortunately we've had multiple hospitalizations at children's hospital wisconsin after that um we have had to go because he ended up stop eating stopping eating for over 12 hours um because of his acid severe acid reflux we've had to make trips for multiple days at a time um he has pooping and stomach issues and so um, our GI doctor actually works with Children's Hospital as well, just so when we get hospitalized, he can follow up with us. Um, to be quite honest with you, it's traumatizing, because when you step foot in the hospital, it's the NICU experience all over again. The beeping, the monitors, the sick babies, the crying, the nurses running around everywhere. It's just, it all brings it back home. And to be honest with you, we're on... Our last one was a couple of days ago that we went, and that was, I don't know, visit number six in our eight months after being, you know, in our seven months after the NICU. So um, that's almost once a month, and I don't think it gets easier. Maybe it will in the future. Hopefully he doesn't have to go that often in the future. But I try to remind myself that my baby is healthy. He's not in the NICU anymore. He is thriving. He just has some issues here and there that he needs help with, and it's hard. But support groups like this and support groups on Facebook, Also, make it a heck of a lot easier for us moms to get there. Um, Laura,
5: Bidwell, Ohio, USA. So, my girl was born at 34 weeks and one day. She was diagnosed with severe early onset growth restrictions. Um, We knew by her 20 week ultrasound, and we did early delivery uh, thanks to absent diastolic flow. So just some backstory, we did 22 days in the NICU at Nationwide Children's in Columbus, Ohio. So she was then hospitalized at three months old with RSV, also at Nationwide in Columbus. So we were actually at um, the NICU at Ohio State University, which is ran by Nationwide. So I thought it would be okay when we were being hospitalized at actual Nationwide, but as soon as we walked in the room, I kind of broke down and lost it because the curtains were the same as the curtains in the NICU. So I think um, kind of the one big takeaway I have for parents, and it sounds so cliche, I think, would be to just be honest with how you're feeling and like own it. So know that it's okay to feel however you feel about it. I told the nurse, you know, I'm so sorry. I just, I need a minute to kind of pull myself back together and, you know, that the curtains were the same as the curtains that we had when she was in the NICU. And six weeks out of the NICU, I wasn't prepared to see those curtains again. Um, I think as mama, the biggest thing is that you are that baby's advocate. You're their biggest advocate. You know them better than anyone, and you are the only one that will fight for them. Um, We had a not great day when she was hospitalized with RSV that, you know, kind of required me to push doctors a little more. And even while they're the professionals, mom is still the expert on their child. But just stay strong, mama. You can do this. You've been through the NICU journey, um, potentially a high-risk pregnancy and all of that. You can do this. You've got this. Just look at that sweet little child and remember that, Every storm eventually ends, and this
6: will pass. Hi, my name is Rose. I live in Manahawka, New Jersey. I am the proud mama of two preemie NICU boys. This illness story is about my first son, Jackson, when he was 15 months old. Jackson became very sick very suddenly, one night in October. We were used to him always having runny nose or a cough by this time, because he was in daycare since the age of six months old. So we weren't alerted to anything out of the ordinary when another cold started. My mom got though so felt that something was off, especially at bedtime. Jackson seemed more tired and really not himself. I checked his temperature, which was normal, but still something inside me was feeling very edgy. I kept checking his monitor all night because I couldn't sleep. Within the night, he started this on-and-off moaning sound, obviously uncomfortable. i sneak in and check his temp, which was slowly climbing, but only to 100. He was still asleep, so I let him sleep through the night until around 7 a.m. when he started crying, but it wasn't his cry. It was a very weird sound. I went into his room to get him, and to my horror, his neck and face were completely swollen, and his head was arched backwards. He appeared to have this melon-sized lump under his jawline. We quickly rushed him to our local hospital, where the ER doctor tried to tell me it was just an ear infection, and we would discharge him that day. I fought for blood work to be done and told him this was not an ear infection. At this point, Jackson's fever was now around 104, even on medications, and he was completely out of it. Despite resistance from the ER doctor, he performed blood work and came back very alarmed because his white blood cell counts were extremely high. Jackson and myself were quickly transported by ambulance to the hospital that he was born at. This hospital hospital specializes in pediatrics. There they performed more thorough tests and which showed that he had a very bad bacterial infection in his lip system. This infection was caused by a positive test for three different cold viruses. We lived in that PICU for four days until he was able to be discharged home. Being back in the hospital a few feet away from the NICU was very triggering for me. My emotions were a roller coaster at this point. This illness and hospital stay post-NICU changed my mental recovery and exacerbated my PTSD. We pulled him from daycare and modified our lifestyle to allow him to stay home with us until preschool. Five years later, and I still struggle with this fear of both my boys now catching illness. It's not a fear I can just get over, as some people have suggested. The memory has made an impression on me and made me into the mama I am today. But today I try my best to control what I can and to release control over what I can't. My five-year-old is now in kindergarten i send him in with hand wipes and taught him proper hand hygiene. Um, but is this the perfect system? No. He has come home with cold illnesses this year at school, and I can't control that. But I can control how I respond and react. I think as NICU moms, we see control because we lack it when our child was born. So my advice to any parent going through an illness with their baby is to control what you can. Trust yourself. Don't judge yourself and how you feel about the situation and always do what's best for your family and your comforts because people will judge or have opinions no matter what choice you make these people will even be some friends and family so make the choice that suits your children yourself and your partner the best
7: hi my name is Meredith Greenlee calling from Columbus Ohio uh, my son, Denver, was born 15 weeks early at uh, 25 weeks, zero days. Uh, we spent about seven and a half months in the NICU, mostly battling bronchopulmonary dysplasia. We were finally out in March of 2021, and um, virus season hit us hard. We were hospitalized twice, um, once November of this year and then once. January of this year, both for viruses. Thank goodness neither of them the coronavirus. Um but it's it's difficult to be back in a place that was home for a long time um that you finally accepted wasn't home, but to be back. Um and trying to explain to people to the, the medical professionals who try to give you assistance that no, you're familiar with this. It's very possible that um you may know more about um, your child's conditions than maybe they do if they are not neonatal specialists, um, and to try to stay really calm. Um, one time I almost lost my temper was someone just trying to explain to me uh, where the cafeteria was, where parking was, and I was just trying to deal with the fact that my son was going to be back in the hospital, um, but to say, no, I, I know where everything is. I could give a guided tour of this place. I was here every day for 216 days. Um, I think it's a, lot of, it's a lot of staying calm. It's a lot of um, really releasing the fact that you are, you're not in control anymore. Um, you, it's easy to play a little bit second fiddle to the doctors and the nurses um, when they've never been home. But then once you've brought them home and now you're in charge to release that control again. And it's, it's really um, releasing that control, being there to support your child, being there to advocate for your child, um, but not being in control anymore and, and relearning how to take a back seat again. Um, but it's, it's, it's difficult, um, but I know that. All the NICU mamas and daddies out there um, who are experiencing this, you're going to get through it the same way you got through it the first time. One day at a time. If you can't do one minute at a time, you're taking it one day at a time. It's not a day at a time, an hour or a minute at a time. It's it's really difficult when you think you've been at that you're finally out of it to be back into it. Um, but just minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day.
8: Hey, this is Josie Morris. My daughter's Raylan Morris. Our city is Carthage, Texas. My daughter was born at 26 weeks, October 30th of 2020. She had a 75 day NICU stay. Um, pretty complex, no surgeries, but very roller coaster. But we came home um, in the end. We were readmitted around two weeks after for COVID, got through that, and came home again. Um, We were readmitted. We've been readmitted three times since discharge from the NICU. Um, She turned a year old on October 30th. But this last year, um, we were readmitted after COVID um, a few months later for anemia and some GI issues from prematurity that she had. Then we got home, and then a few weeks before her one-year anniversary, I mean, one-year birthday, she got RSV, and we were readmitted for seven seven to eight days, um, and it was a pretty intense stay with RSV. Any words of encouragement I would have would be to, number one, take care of yourself. I really neglected myself during our journey. And kind of had some hard aftermath of that once we came home. Um, number two would be to definitely reach out and get help. Counseling saved my mental health through all of this, and I'm still very thankful for it to this day. Um, and just to put one foot in front of the other and get through it because there's really no other option. You just you're a different kind of strong because you're a NICU mom, and and you'll get through it. You will.
9: Hi, my name is Caitlin Wentworth. I am from Virginia Beach, Virginia. Um, I was calling to talk about my son Harrison. He was a 26-weeker. He's about two and a half now. Um, we spent 146 days in the NICU. Uh, I had preeclampsia and help syndrome. Um, my pregnancy was pretty amazing up until 25 weeks. Um, and I got super sick and was in the hospital Um, and had him five days later. Um, He came home November 5th, and he was on oxygen, um, and that was really all we came home with. And then he was never an amazing eater, but right before we were going to be coming home, he started eating great, so they were comfortable with him coming home. Um, And we decided to live with my parents for when he first came home just because my husband worked a lot and we just needed the extra hands-on support. Um, and quickly after coming home, his eating was just super inconsistent, um, rarely meeting the bottles that he was supposed to have for the day. And was all in all just a completely stressful situation. He would projectile vomit mom and after feeds. It just consumed everything we did. So his weight gain was really slow because of not eating enough and then getting sick. And the beginning of December kind of took a turn for the worse and we just monitor it. And our pediatrician was amazing. And right before Christmas, he just stopped eating completely. Um, and I called the pediatrician and she knew somebody at the hospital, the children's hospital. She made a call so we didn't even have to, wait in an ER waiting room. We just got uh, admitted right away. Um, But the phone call to the pediatrician when she said, we're going to admit him again, I just felt my whole body just have chills. And she was so nice. And she made sure someone was there with me to help me bring Harrison in. My husband left work. um, And I was with my mom. And, they sent us to the seventh floor, which is, like, the step-down unit at our local hospital. And as soon as I got off the elevator and turned the hallway and saw the entrance to the NICU, I just collapsed. I just, like, got on my knees and just, like, broke down and sobbed. Um, because it was just, like, just being in that hallway and, like, the smells and everything already just, with the stress of him not eating and not knowing what was going on, just like hit me like a ton of bricks. We were in the hospital for five days, um, running tests, doing more swallow studies, um, checking for major acid reflux. We just did a ton of things and it was just really overwhelming, but again, you know, having support from family is just, like, huge for us. Um, I come from an Italian family, so everyone's, you know, crazy supportive. Um, but it was just really focusing on why we were at the hospital and that we just wanted him to be okay and him to eat, and we knew being there was going to, you know, hopefully solve that problem. Um, We did have a hard time with, you know, being so used to the NICU care and then going to, um, you know, just the general it wasn't um just the general like nurses taking care of the baby, um, it's just a different level of care. So that was an adjustment. Um and by the end of our visit they just couldn't figure it out and his GI doctor just said, you know, maybe he just needs some time. So we got sent home with an N G tube. Um on Christmas Eve got the training for it and we're sent home. Um, and he had the NG tube until April, and then he finally could eat again on his own. But I would just say to other moms dealing with this, it's something I know nobody wants. And I remember NICU nurses in the hospital saying, you know, the worst thing is when a baby goes home and then has to go back to the hospital. And it was something that just scared me so bad. And looking back on it now, it's it's another thing that's a part of our journey and something we had to do and getting him fed was what was most important back then I didn't want him to have a tube he already had oxygen but it was what we needed to do for him so that's what we did and we learned how to use the equipment and at first it was so scary you know run food through a tube for my son but in a couple of days, it's second nature and it's, it's not strange anymore and becomes normal. So whatever you're going through, you adapt. You're strong because you have to be and reach
0: out to people who can be supportive for you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. If you loved this episode, we'd be so grateful for a review on any of the podcast platforms. And we'd love to continue connecting with you via our social media pages or a private Facebook group. And ultimately, Mama, welcome to the sisterhood.